This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to Grief Relief. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host. Oh, I was going to say Dr. Heidi Horsley. I'm so used to saying it, but Heidi's not here today. Uh, we did a TV show this weekend in, uh, in California, so Heidi had to fly back to New York, and she's on the plane uh, right now, but she'll be on with us next week. But we have a great guest today, and it is Nita Whitaker LaFontaine. And I'm excited to have Nita on. I mean, she is quite the woman. She's a nurse, of course. I always like that because I'm a nurse. But she is was a former Miss Louisiana, and she got a bachelor's degree in nursing. But then she went on to have a full musical career, which is amazing. And we'll be talking, I mean, Andrea Botticelli, Josh Groban, uh, Barbara Streisand. She was Val Kilmer's wife in uh, Ten Commandments, the musical. Right. And she's just done so many wonderful things. And she's got a 501c3 nonprofit, which gives books to uh, underserved elementary children. I mean, you are the woman. Welcome to the show, Nita. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, Dr. Horsley. Thank you for having me. Well, you've just gone on and done so many great things. Um, And how many years ago did you lose your husband? Uh, Five and a half. Wow. Not that long in the world of grief and loss. Not that long. No. Right. No, and you've written a wonderful book about your life and, and experience with him called Finding My Voice. And um, talk a little bit about, I mean, he was quite a, a big presence, I'm sure, because he was what they called him the, the king of uh, voiceover, Don LaFontaine, and taught it and did, what, thousands of voiceovers? Uh, at least 5,000 at least that we know of. And I think some person counted and said about 750,000. TV and radio spots. So, wow. uh, you want to know about him or about the book? Uh, about both, whatever you you know okay. comes up for you. Um, well, I would have to say that uh, Don was a not only a big force in the world of uh, movie advertisement because he sort of laid a template from which other announcers now announce. He sort of laid the platform, but I think. That came to him because of the situations he was in. Having been a writer and an editor, he used to write the spots uh-huh. when he was a young kid back in New York. So when he tra- transitioned into that, it wasn't something he sought, really, because he basically stepped up to the mic a few times when an announcer didn't show up. He never thought of it as a career for him. Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to him. He was more interested in the writing and the editing. So I think that's maybe part of the reason and because he also had great diction and was a a voracious reader was why he was able to work so much and he loved it so much because he loved words and he loved books and he loved copy and he loved all of that. So I think what he did before in his life set him up for what he did later in his life. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, he was a big presence because just the the sheer amount of work that he did. uh, But more than that, people know him more from the guy of high integrity and uh, just coming in and getting the job done. And supporting you in your career. I mean, oh, all the way. wow, you've got, what, three kids, and you both, both you and he, had big careers, which is really uh, kind of unusual, because oftentimes you see one person has the big career and the other one's backing them up, but you guys figured out how to do it all. Well, I think at the end of the day, for any relationship, any couple, if you don't support each other, then something's going to fall away. So he knew when I met him that, you know, I had 
had dreams and aspirations, and I knew that he loved his work, and so we had a mutual support and admiration and respect for each other. And I think that's a healthy way to look at it. You know, I respected what he did. I didn't try to do what he did. He respected what I did. So it made for a really healthy uh, balance. So, so talk about for people who've lost a spouse. Uh, how did you? When did you find out he he had cancer? Is that right? Yeah, uh, it was seven months from diagnosis to his passing. Oh my goodness, that is quick. It's quick. Uh, we he actually survived the cancer, but the the side effects is what um, is what happened. The side effects from the cumulative uh, caustic gathering in the body of um, the radiation that came out created some other issues in his body and then that created other things that created other things that so was really complications from the, from the treatment. The cancer was actually cured. Yeah. We can say that. That was a hallelujah. That was something we prayed for. But, um, I, you know, the reason that I wrote the book was really, it was such an amazing journey for me. And being a nurse, as you know, we are trained observers and I sort of, observing chronicle things in my life without really being aware of it just because it's intrinsic to me now uh, because of just how we look at people and behavior and mannerisms and body language and so in my mind I guess I was I, I was um, uh, at the bedside for a long time and I couldn't let it go I couldn't let the departure go and um, I ended up in a wonderful writing workshop that someone mentioned to me and I went and it was the beginning of releasing so much of the movie in my head and being able to put it in place but more than that the reason that the book was important for me was because I wanted to help other women other people who would be going through a similar situation of, of you know losing their spouse and what the lessons that I learned hopefully I could share them and shed some light on the road that I know they would have to walk now, what do you? What are some of the lessons that you? A couple of them that you t- uh, want people to know, and that you t- you got from this. Well, the first one is don't anticipate. The first one I would say is don't anticipate because each first is a is a huge hurdle. The getting through the first birthday, the first Valentine's, the first Christmas, the first those I anticipated to be horrible. And when I figured out that if I just let it let them be whatever they were going to be, then it was what it was. And, you know, you can see yourself, you know, falling out, flailing and, you know, being morose or sad. And if you see that, you create that. But I just, if you stay in the moment, you stay in the now. And um, the other, other lesson is cry whenever you need to. Or mm-hmm. Just cry. Just, you don't have to be strong. There's not a time to be strong and pull together. It's, this is not the time to do that. And uh, to, to reach out. Not to be isolated. Often we feel so alone in our grief that we think no one else can understand, because no one else feels the pain and the loss that we feel. And it is so personal for everybody. You know, my, my, there's no comparison. My pain is worse than your pain. It's not a contest. But there is a commonality that all people who have experienced loss of a spouse go through. And that's why it's important to reach out. Some people like support groups. I just found, you know, other mommy girlfriends and, uh, I just kept ta- talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so important, telling that story. Yeah, to keep talking, keep talking about that person because their spirit needs to stay alive in you as you're healing. And especially, also, you've got kids to keep it alive for, too. Absolutely. And that's a big factor when you have children. Sometimes the children will shut down, not want to talk, but that's exactly what they need to do is to talk. Talk about their their, their dad or their mom or 
because it's important in, in their growth that they that person is still alive for them and they can remember the stories and the things that they did and it's it, it's really essential. So those are you know three of the lessons um, that that I began with and just to like I said reach out and share and donate so like that's a huge part of it. And if you're shepherding children as I was, um, I think it's important to keep a sense of normalcy for them, even though this it's, it's real. <laughs> Not normal, it's a new normal, as we call it. Uh, but they try to keep everything else in their life a semblance of normal. Some people will move right away. But I knew that I needed to be still, let everything else kind of settle in as they were finding their new normal. And I was finding my new normal, of being able to, you know, parent them the best I could as a single parent. Um, so those are a few of the things that I began with, but there's there's more little... Now, talk a little bit about deciding to go back to work. And I would also think, you know, I went, my son was killed, and I went back to work after two weeks. I was um, a clinical nurse specialist at a hospital. So it, mine was physical work more. But I am thinking about you, and you called this finding your voice. I don't know if that's related to the book, but I'm thinking singing could be even more difficult. Um, it could be, absolutely, because both Don and I, define our careers by our voices. He spoke, I sang. So in that sense, we, we were like a, a duet. Right. In a way. And so suddenly I was a solo singer, if you, you know, metaphorically. Right. And, uh, and not having that sort of person that you depend on and to, to, to counsel, what are we going to do about this and how are we going to handle this and what's our next plan, and not having that sounding board was deafening. Mm-hmm. And in so, so many ways, I lost my voice, literally and, and figuratively. Um, but uh, finding it was the journey. Finding it was the journey of, 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 of what this five years has been and will continue to be, uh, of what, who am I? Who am I? Mm-hmm. Without anybody else, who am I? Who are you? Who are, who are we all? That journey to find who you are without any other person added in your life, and to be able to stand in the light of that, that is the journey of healing. Wow, I love that. Now, you've sent us uh, some of your music. You emailed it to us, and I just wanted to play a couple of minutes for people. You want to talk about it a little bit? It's called Every Simple Tear, and it's from the... Every Single Tear. I mean, Every Single Tear, sorry. Uh, And it's from the album Drink Deep. How do people get this album? Uh, it is on a website called musicforthesoul.org, and my dear friend Steve Seiler, who created this um, this label and ministry, came to me a couple years ago. He also was a friend of is a friend of our family and knew, knew Don very well, and he had this project because he he does he approaches subject matters from a faith based um, point of view, uh, not in a zealot kind of way, but. Uh, basic in a comforting kind of way to address issues that people don't talk about a lot. And, you know, he's addressed things like body image and suicide and eating disorder and breast cancer and all of that. And he had this idea to do this album on the, the process of grieving. And he approached me about doing it. And I said, absolutely. I was far enough away from it because earlier I, I don't think that I would have been able to really be in my best service to the songs. So... When he came to me, he sent me a few of the songs, and I said, yeah, I have to do this because I can sing it from a, a place of truth and a place of authenticity. And so uh, we, he, uh, 
he wrote most of the songs. He and a couple of other songwriters are very skilled, beautiful, amazing writers. And um, he came to Los Angeles and recorded because it's I'm on I think I'm singing on five songs and two duets. And then there's another gentleman, another great singer, Scott Crepain. He's singing on five songs, and we did two duets together. But this this particular song, every single tear, for me, it 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 goes beyond uh, just grieving or losing. It is how spirit. God, whatever people want to call him, um, is with us in those moments when we think we're so alone and so isolated, so broken, and the comfort in that there is someone who's watching over us. Uh, I, I just love it. It's one of my favorites on the record. It's, it's wonderful. So let's hear that. Overwhelmed by circumstances out of your control. Hope can be the hardest thing to find When you're like a heart without a home You don't have to face this hurt alone He sees every single tear He feels everything Wants to hold you close and dry your eyes. Oh, your heart is what he hears when the world just hears you crying. No matter what the pain, he cares about every single Thank you so much uh, for sending that to us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Really wonderful. And thank you for being on the show. And tell us again where people can get that music. Give us the website. The website is musicforthesoul.org. And my book, Finding My Voice, My Journey Through Grief to Grace, is available on Amazon.com. And you can also go to your wonderful website at nitawhitaker.com and see wonderful pictures of you and of Don. And God bless you and all the work you're doing. And thanks a lot for being on the show. So honored to be here. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com. 
along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.